Community Soup, a podcast powered by Collective Impact and brought to you by the Milwaukee Community Schools Partnership. Yeah, so uh, again, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm really excited to get this podcast up and running. Um, so as you said, my name is Glenn Carson. I'm the director of the Milwaukee Community Schools Partnership, um, and I've been with uh, the partnership at United Way since 2015. Um, in various roles, starting as a community school coordinator uh, for five years, uh, then transitioning to a community school's K-8 manager, and then this past summer, um, accepting a role as director, uh, which I've been doing since July. We want to start to peel back those layers. And so uh, kind of starting with the you question, can you walk us through your educational journey as a K-12 student? Uh, what were or what are some of the, the things that that stand out to you, uh, either positively or negatively, about your student experience? Uh, yeah, so I am a product of MPS. Uh, so I went to Claire Barton for kindergarten, Garden Homes for first and second grade, Parkview for third through fifth grade, uh, John Burroughs for middle school, and graduated from Bradley Tech in 2008. Uh, my experience was was kind of unique and, uh, you know, a roller coaster, a little up and down. Uh, so I grew up in foster care. Uh, so I was in foster care up until second grade. Uh, so I brought a lot of baggage to school, uh, which turned into a lot of like fighting and aggression in my younger years. Um, I had to use like half days and go to like therapy or different um, kind of uh, outside of school kind of opportunities around behavior. Um, And through being in foster care, I had to attend those. Uh, So I would come into school sometimes late. Kids would ask questions while I was out um, in foster care. So I always kept like a secret from my friends. So I never told anyone. Um, so a lot of fights happened in <laughs> um, me trying to like cover up why I was out of school or cover up why, uh, you know, I just didn't want to talk about why I was out of school. Um, so when I went back to home with my parents, I still struggled and got into a lot of trouble. Um, but I always have managed to like excel in my academics um, so even though I was getting suspended a lot or fighting a lot, I still had uh, decent grades. Um, I still remember in eighth grade getting a denial letter uh, from a chapter 220 school uh, that I really wanted to go to. Uh, and they listed my 27 suspensions and 42 referrals uh, throughout my middle school career. Um, and but they still praised like my academics. They were like, you know, you could got a three point something and but you still have 27 suspensions and 42 referrals uh, which for me I never really realized I was like damn that's a lot but you know like as a middle school student seeing that I was like I thought I would go there because my grades are good mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's all I need is grades uh, so as I got to high school I kind of like changed that aggression into like being a class clown so even though I like you know Excelled in my academics, I still like had downtime in class. I wasn't always needing support, so that, that turned into me like cracking jokes and um, you know being the class clown. So I was always the person who had jokes, but had decent grades for the most part. Uh, I do feel like I never built like meaningful relationships with many staff and mm-hmm. teachers uh, through my time. Like I, there were teachers that I really liked and enjoyed being in their classrooms, but I think. 
that relationship ended as I went to new schools or as I went to a new grade, things like that. Uh, and, you know, I just never really kind of built that strong relationship with a staff member at the school. I have teachers that I talk about that, like, have had impacts on me, but nothing outside of, like, that one year that they were with me or that I was at that school. So um, I graduated in 2008 uh, from Bradley Tech, um, which is a technology and trade school. Um, and I never had plans of going into the tech and trade world. Uh, but that, you know, I always wanted to go to a four year college or university. Um, and again, even going to tech as a tech and trade, that was what was pushed on us is like, go to college, a four-year university. Um, so that's kind of what helped with my decision into going to college after high school. I do want to point out, right, one, I think the the fact that you know how many, like, suspensions and referrals you had. Those um, are ingrained in my yeah. head. <laughs> I, I think that, like, but that's, I think that's super crucial, right? Uh, and not to get too far off a of subject or uh, dive too deep onto this, but, like, I think we, you know, like you said, right? Like it, it, it is ingrained on you, right? And I think a lot of times we we discipline students, right? Obviously, Milwaukee Public Schools, we uh, have this obstacle of you know disciplining certain demographics of students, uh, mainly African American boys, uh, at a disproportionate rate, right? And um, you know, and I, I have conversations with the young people that I engage with about you know. Uh, like their reputations uh, and not letting them define you, uh, even when you make mistakes. Uh, and so I, I do want to just kind of like bring light to the fact that, you know, um, on paper, at least. Right. Like you may not have been a quote unquote ideal student or maybe the student that everybody was necessarily like looking to champion. Um, but you channeled that energy into um, you know, using it as like fuel and motivation. And now you have um you know, a position, right, um, to kind of shift what what the school experience looks like for, for young people moving forward, at least for, you know, 16, you know, schools in Milwaukee public schools. Um, so I think that is, uh, you know, something to really, you know, champion. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you don't, you know, shy away from that reality or lived experience that you have. You know, I'm kind of stealing from uh, from our community conversation process. And uh, one of the things that we we ask um, is uh, if you can create the perfect or the ideal school, uh, what would it look like? What would it feel like? Uh, how would you describe um, the ideal school for you, Glenn Carson? Um, I think the perfect school would be welcoming law students and their families, um, support for staff and students um, to be able to build those relationships amongst each other. Um, I think relationships are a big thing when it comes to academics. Um, I think, you know, ideal school would look like teachers being paid uh, very well and, and, you know, a living wage and something that they can feel comfortable with. Um, you know, there's been some talk the last couple of years around a four-day school week, I think. <laughs> You know, that could be something to look into as far as an ideal school where a four day school week and a fifth day being something more project based or community based learning. Um, I think there's many. I think there are more barriers to coming up with idea, ideal school um, than there are kind of solutions. Um, so I think it's very hard to kind of come up with like what an ideal school can look like. 
uh, I think for the most part, I just want students to be able to excel and be given the tools and knowledge they need to live meaningful lives and go on to be great citizens of the world, whatever that looks like for them. I know earlier we kind of talked about uh, your, I would say, journey throughout, you know, community school, starting off as a coordinator, moving into uh, a manager role, uh, and then on to becoming the director of the partnership. Um, but can you just, you know, like share your connection to, to the community schools model? Uh, I guess, what is your community schools origin story? Uh, how did you find the role? Uh, all of that good stuff. Yeah, so I started, um, well, at the time in 2014, I learned about community schools as a city year core member at James Madison Academic Campus um, as they were becoming a community school. Uh, and there were lots of talk and conversations among the staff that uh, this was a school takeover and we would all be losing our jobs immediately. <laughs> um, so it was something that at the time, nervous, scared about, still not understanding it. Um, but after more intentional conversations with the community school coordinator at the time um, and United Way, who had sponsored my JMAC team there at the time, um, really understanding what being a community school meant, um, but also like, I think the climate of public schools in 2015 in Milwaukee kind of was around that takeover scare. Um, so I think that was kind of fueling a lot of our um, thought process in that. Um, so as I learned more about what community schools were, um, I interviewed later on that year um, and became at the community school coordinator at Hopkins Lloyd. Um, and from there, uh, Hopkins had already kind of adopted the community schools model without United Way. Um, so they've been you know, in partnership with the local church uh, that kind of helped bring in partnerships, bring in resources, but they also like got input from the community, from families and students. So they kind of started it a little bit, but there were no kind of like, um, you know, uh, anything in place to kind of lead or guide them in that work. Uh, and the school also wasn't kind of fully understanding of it either. Um, so I spent, uh, you know, uh, five years at Hopkins Lloyd. Um, and from there, you know, I've been able to add resources, partnerships. Um, we've been able to increase the, the systems around communication, around academics at the school, um, <clears throat> enough so where we've been able to increase the state report card from a 47 to a 61 in those five years that I was there. Not to say that, that was all due to me, but, I, you know, we, we do credit community schools being a big part of um, increasing that school um, state report card, but also just the systems and, and support as a, as a whole within the school. Um, and, you know, I spent five years there until 2020 um, and became the K-8 manager um, in 2020, um, where I was able to uh, support and coach our other K-8 community school coordinators in um, implementing their community school models as well at their schools. Um, where we were able to kind of uh, myself and the other manager at the time were able to build systems for our partnership around support for community school coordinators, creating tools around uh, priority trackers, around keeping um, how we're coaching coordinators uh, and things of that nature, uh, which are things that we still use today. 
Um, and like I stated earlier, um, you know, I've been able to become the director this last July. Um, and in coming in and coming in as the director, um, my main kind of uh, uh, goal is to kind of create uh, increase uh, and improve our relationship with the district um, and the union around um, understanding what the model is, but then also creating systems um, to make sure that our schools are improving um, as they should as well. So, um, you know, since July, I've been working towards that kind of goal, um, but just excited to continue to keep this work going. Nice. Um, and so, you know, as a an obvious, uh, you know, leader in this space, uh, I would like to ask you, what does leadership mean and look like to you uh, individually or personally? Uh, but then also, you know, describe your understanding of uh, of shared leadership, knowing that shared leadership is one of our key pillars to uh, the community schools model here in Milwaukee. Uh, so, again, uh, what does leadership look and mean, uh, look like and mean to you? Uh, but then also, if you can describe your understanding um, or perception of, sh of, of that shared leadership uh, pillar. Yeah, um, I think a leader is someone who can uh, take the lead and charge uh, to move people towards action. Um, someone who is inspiring and can be trusted uh, and has the people they are leading's uh, best interests in mind. Uh, and these are things that, you know, I try to implement within myself. And I sometimes also have to check myself when I'm uh, you know, leading or, or a leader in certain areas, um, because there are various types of leadership, um, you know, and styles of leadership that people have. And I think a, a true leader is someone who can kind of implement different qualities from all those different styles, um, but also adapt their style of leadership to accommodate people that they're leading. So um, accommodate a certain individual or a group of people um, and be able to adapt their leadership um, for that space as well, pick up those different qualities. Um, when I think of shared leadership, I think it's someone who includes others and make decisions based off the needs and input of those they're serving or making decisions for. Um, so I think of, you know, immediately our, our schools, um, if we're making a behavior policy for a school, why not include students and parents? Um, that's uh, something that's directly connected to them um, and affects them. Um, so when I think of, you know, when I'm in our schools or when I was at Hopkins, um, you know, we're at staff members making these decisions on behalf of students and parents, but there aren't any students or parents in this space. Um, so I think of shared leadership, that's something where I'm like, you know, that's where we include those other people, include those people that we're kind of having those conversations around. Um, can you kind of just speak on uh, the value or the importance of uh, providing a culturally inclusive, um, you know, learning experience for, for our students? Yeah, I think it's important to know where your students come from and creating a welcome environment for each of them. Um, a lot of students bring baggage with them from school or from home, uh, and it's hard to turn that off to focus on math sometimes. I was one of those students. You know, I think sometimes I would have just appreciated a teacher just understanding, like, you know, I needed a break or just talk to me about something instead of just writing me up or, uh, you know, yelling at me. 
um, where I think, you know, students might have might not have the best role models at home or see people in positive light on TV. So choosing books with characters that look like them or have similar stories with them can be inspiring for a lot of students. Um, I think it's very important to create that culture inclusive environment um, just to make sure students feel good when they're learning. Um, you know, students feel good when they're learning. Um, I feel like that uh, better help with their confidence and understanding the subject or the curriculum. Um, but also be more vocal about things they need help with. If a student isn't confident or feels welcome in a, a, a classroom, you know, they wouldn't feel comfortable asking teacher for help or, you know, voicing that they need support in a certain area. Um, it will also be hard for them to engage if they don't feel welcome as well. So I think that culture inclusive learning environment is very important to a student. So my next question is, what is one thing or what is one accomplishment that you are most proud of that you were able to achieve through uh, using the community schools model? Uh, and you can, you know, you can address whatever tier you want to. So, you know, your experience as a coordinator, uh, your experience as a manager. Um, but I definitely would like to hear, uh, you know, something um in, in the in the director role that you have been able to uh, kind of celebrate? Um, it's, it's hard to choose just one thing, but I would say my time spent at Hopkins Lloyd uh, is a big accomplishment for me. Um, just knowing where that school started and where it is today, um, but also like the impact that I was able to make at that school with staff members, with families, with students, uh, where, you know, I've been, haven't been in the school actively working since you know, 2020, 2019, for the most part. Um, and there are stu still students and families that are there that, you know, reach out to me or when I'm there, they, you know, say something or, or hello. Um, but also just like the opportunities that we were able to bring to the school. Um, when I first came to Hopkins, one of the main issues was like food security at the, at the school um, and wanting to have a uh, food pantry in the building. And the way that the school is kind of built, logistically, it just wouldn't work in the building. We found a way around it by working, you know, partnering with, at the time, it was Pick and Save Mobile Market. And, uh, you know, they were able to bring a mobile food pantry to the school once a month where they were able to bring in fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, healthier options for families because the school was in the middle of a food desert. Um, so just having that opportunity monthly for families to know that they had access to fresh fruit and vegetables at a discounted rate and that uh, EBT was accepted. Things like our homework diners was able to, you know, create relationships with students, with families, um, and also the community being able to partner with the local culinary school to make sure that they uh, or have their students come and cook a meal once or twice a month for families, but then also have that intimate conversation with families around tutoring and homework support uh, was another great thing to see. Uh, just the increase in our state report card, seeing the work that was put into uh, increasing that report card and those systems around the schools, uh, but also that our school was uh, very community focused and not focusing on or you know, focus on the broader community, plus our students and families that went to the school. Um, so building relationships with the local church to do strong baby sanctuaries, supporting families and mothers who are pregnant or have children under the age of one to get them, you know, resources and opportunities around um, just creating a, self, a strong, safe environment for their families and the uh, newborn. Um, 
being able to offer food donations for the broader community, opening that up to everyone. Um, our school also did a annual like cleanup of the neighborhood with students and staff members participating. Um, so it's really uh, my time spent there was kind of one of my biggest accomplishments, just the relationships and opportunities that were built there. Um, and so just like a selfish follow up question. Um, do you miss your time as a coordinator at all? I know, you know, kind of two steps removed from from being in the building and having kind of like that direct I don't want to call it an entirely direct service, but uh, essentially, um, you know, having that direct touch points with the students, uh, being able to like have that direct touch points with your staff. Uh, and I think now our role is, well, at least post COVID, right? Like a lot of uh, Zoom calls and a lot of like leadership team meetings and meetings with, you know, potential partners and uh, a lot of budgeting and, um, you know, doing grant, um, you know, uh, updates and things like that. Uh, so, you know, do you miss being a coordinator at all. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> uh, just in my role, again, you know, I, I, I interact with a lot of like higher administration from the district or, you know, higher up administration here at United Way. Um, and there's, and, you know, you talk about shared leadership. And I think a lot of times the higher you get up, the closer or the further I get away from shared leadership, almost it feels like, like we're making decisions, but we're still not including parents or students, but we expect that the school level that they should be including students and parents. Um, so also, you know, I think as a director, I'm like, Yes, I definitely miss uh, being a community school coordinator and having those touch points with families, with staff members and, and being in the day to day to schools. Um, and even, you know, right now, not trying to get caught up in the day to day of a director and, and also really try to practice that shared leadership at my level or including, you know, parents or students or staff members and some of the decisions being made, trying to figure out how to best do that and navigate this space. Too. Yeah, I think that was and that was the the exact reason that I was, I guess, posed that question, right? It's like, you know, if you if you keep that perspective, it's not that you don't want to be the director or anything like that, right? But like, if you have that as a way to, uh, I guess, balance yourself or kind of pinch yourself um, to make sure that, you know, what you do on a day-to-day in your current role is, is still grounded in the, you know, the shared leadership um, uh, cultural relevance and equity, you know, pillars that that really, you know, allows community schools to to function here. Uh, so, yeah, I did want to just kind of sneak that question in. Um, OK, so to, to someone who is not familiar with community schools, right, like if this was your audience, um, can you share your elevator pitch uh, that describes community schools to them and, and maybe some of the impact uh, or the value that you think community schools brings? Um, this is one that I just like struggle with a lot. Even <laughs> as a director, I'm like, it's difficult to kind of like explain the complexities of community sure. schools to someone who is not familiar with it. Um, so I just have like two sentences of like <laughs> what it could be or what it is. Um, but again, I would say like this might change in like depending on who I'm talking to or like, you know, if I'm talking to a parent or, you know, someone else. Um, I think, you know, community schools is complex, so it's difficult to kind of make that elevator pitch. But I would say community schools is a school transformation model that supports the efforts of schools that on paper are the most high need schools to improve academic success for students. 
Um, and here in Milwaukee, we utilize shared leadership, equity, and cultural relevance to help guide our work. So I think that will be my quick kind of elevator pitch. But again, I think, you know, that changes often. Um, it's hard to kind of like do a quick elevator pitch and just kind of like what it is. But then also I feel like using big words or jargon and, and some of that, you know, elevator pitch is like makes it even more complex or more hard to understand what community schools is. So I think in like layman's term or, you know, these, these this would be important too is I guess for community schools to work. Right. Like I think it'll it you you have to get on the same page and like understanding is 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 very key. Um, and I think, you know, our thing is more of the process to get on the same page, um, not necessarily like this is what I think it is. And everybody come, you know, head this direction with me. And I do want to ask you, what do you think we have the power to change about the K-12 education landscape? That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to make talking points for each one for this one. But I would say, you know, I think, you know, sticking to our values of community schools and, and to our model and, and believing in it and moving it forward, I think is the what we have, the power that we have. I mean, I think our power is our model, is the, you know, the systems that we have in place within our community schools. Um, so I think the more we uh, you know, stick to that, the more we also like, you know, our model has been adapted multiple times throughout the years that we've been doing this work. Um, so I think the, the more we stick to our, our model around community schools and how we implement it here in Milwaukee around shared leadership, equity and cultural relevance, I think that is our power to change uh, the K-12 education landscape. Um, it's just a matter of making sure that, you know, our schools and the district also believes in the in, in our model and the work that's happening and they see the change that has happened at our schools and that will continue to happen going forward. I got a, a question that I didn't have on, on there that just came to me. Um, and so as the director, right, how do you know or what is the indicators of um you know, success? Like, how do I know that the community schools model is working at a particular location or a school? I would say uh, communication is a, is a big one, um, that people know where to get communication, whether that's a parent figuring out when conferences are or knowing where they can go to get information about their students' academics. Um, even, you know, at Hopkins, I think that was one of the first things that we saw um, around improvement before we saw it in data was just that like there was better communication around the school between staff members and staff members, students to staff, parents to staff members. Uh, you know, I think community schools, it's hard to kind of put that quantitative data on it when a lot of our work uh, can also be identified in that qualitative data and qualitative space. Um, and uh, when I think of just success, you know, I think communication is hard to kind of like write down what, what communication, success and communication looks like outside of like, you know, seeing that there's less uh, issues around people figuring out where things are or communicating and talking to each other. Um, so I would say communication would be the first one, but then also um, there are... Uh, systems in place around academics for students. Um, and when we're looking at um, 
you know, our current schools, like, there's those four or five kids that are really struggling, but the rest of the class is doing well. Like, there's a system in place for those four to five students to continue to receive support, to continue to support. And we're not just, you know, bragging on the full class. So, like, yeah, all 25 of these people got A's and B's, and these three got, you know, a D. But those people who are still struggling, there's still a system of support or some of that is helping them with those academics to continue. We're not forgetting about those kind of smaller kind of, I want to say students, but, you know, those students who make up a smaller margin in the mm -hmm. data when it comes to academics. Mm -hmm. No, I like that. Um, and so the last question that I did have prepared uh, for us today is, um, you know, I'll, you know, when I have the opportunity to talk about community schools, I either try to lead or or close with the um, with the fact that, you know, like community schools is a collective effort. Um, it is not, you know, done on the shoulders of, of one individual or a few individuals. Uh, it, re it really requires the entire school community to play a role, uh, not necessarily the same role, um, but play a part um, and, and transform in a particular school uh, or school community. Uh, and so, you know, to whomever may come across this podcast, right, like whoever may be listening uh, either now or in the future, right, like how can uh, how can they get involved in making a change? Like what is your call to action um, for others to be able to, um, I guess, like support the community schools model at a school or, you know, just in general across the partnership, uh, et cetera? Um, I would say just get engaged with their schools. Um, you know, uh, whether you have children or not, it's just a matter of like understanding what the educational landscape in your surrounding your city is. Um, because again, I feel like, you know, whether you have children or not, you know a child, whether that's a niece, nephew, a friend that has kids, you know, they're going through that educational uh, system and really understanding if that's a good one or not. And if you're proud of that, like, you know, I am an MPS, pro a product of MPS. Um, and, you know, I want to make sure that when I say I'm a product of MPS that I feel confident and proud in saying mm -hmm. that. Um, and wherever my nieces and nephews go to school, I, I want to make sure that I know that they're going into a school that supports them and understands them. Um, so I think, you know, find ways to get involved, whether that's volunteering and going to see what's, you know, seeing for yourself how great the great things are happening in the schools or even just reading up on, you know, policies around education in your area, uh, you know, listening in on a school board meeting or even, if you're in the politics, seeing what, you know, where education falls on some of the politicians, uh, some of their plans and goals mm -hmm. for the work that they're doing. Uh, so I don't think there's a specific call to action outside of just kind of finding ways to get engaged and seeing if you feel proud of the education system that surrounds you. Um, and if not, figure out a way to get, get involved and get engaged with it. No, I like that. I think that's perfect. Um Glenn, I appreciate you taking the time out and, and um, you know, speaking on, on the Milwaukee Community Schools Partnership. Um, that's all I had. If you had any closing words, um, that would be a perfect time. Um, yeah, no, I appreciate appreciate you taking the lead on this, Dom. Um, again, thank you for everybody who's listening. Uh, we're excited to move this forward, of, uh, this work of community schools forward here in Milwaukee. There it is. There you have it.